has regained the championship. This right here is the future of wrestling. VOC Nation Radio Network, Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt, Killer Ken Resnick, and the legend maker, wonderful Willie, Bill Apter. And uh, as we record this on a Tuesday night, we record on Tuesdays, the podcast drops on Wednesdays, uh, 48 consecutive hours of snow in the yeah. Philadelphia metropolitan area. I'm, I'm a little bit um, north of the city in a rural area, and we just got pummeled. Uh, Bill, I'm, I'm, you're not too far away. No, I'm not, but uh, I understand that uh, Killer Ken in Minneapolis, we took the bullet for him. He got like nothing. Yeah. See, in the last week, we had a quarter of an inch. Quarter of an and inch. And you guys can keep it all. That's okay. And yeah, we it's haven't had much. For- we haven't had much of a winter for five years. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, my kids like it. I'm, I'm all right with it. Uh, wrestling with history. And we're talking about this week, we'll talk about 1985. We'll finish that up and. Uh, last week, we also promised the listeners that we would dive into the PWI ranking system. And I know, Bill, you weren't there when it came up when when uh, they came up with it because you were I think you were a child. But um, yeah, I mean, way back when when I used to buy the magazines back in the 60s, Wrestling Review was the first magazine that Stanley Weston, my mentor, uh, put out that was completely wrestling. He did boxing, illustrated wrestling news, but they were, he started doing uh, ratings in the magazines. And when I started working for him, uh, I was put in charge of the ratings of the wrestler and inside wrestling magazine. And the reason that was done was twofold. The fans sent mail. There was no email back then. They liked the ratings and they would argue about who was placed in the top 10 in each category. But more so than that, Mr. Weston said to me, he said, you know the business, you're a wrestling fan, you're in charge. Two weeks after I started, the pressure, the sweat, what do I do? Well, and and there's probably a lot of behind the scenes stories about wrestlers reacting to those ratings. So we want to get into that. Uh, We also want to look at, because we're in 1985, we want to look back at the ratings from 1985, the top 10, and share some stories. Uh, Part of the feedback we get from this show from you, the fans, and you do that by either emailing bruce at vocnation.com or you tweet at vocnation at after one wrestling or uh, the show, which is at Resnick after VOC. You can interact with us in any of those ways. And what we've heard from you is uh, you like the stories that Bill and Ken tell about their personal experiences. So um, I want to go through the top 10 guys and talk about each one of the top 10 and, and just some interesting things that you've had, uh, interesting uh, interactions that you've had with each of those. You know, Bruce, one thing I, I, I want to, add fans need to remember you know in 1985 there was no internet there was no super stations there really wasn't big cable that even for wrestlers and anyone in the business the rankings were really the measuring stick and you know you would look at guys that were high up in other territories that you'd heard of but you know, I had never seen, and a lot of the conversation was, you know, about so-and-so never seen, geez, he must, he must be better than I thought. Look how high they've got him rated. 
Right. I mean, it was not only a measuring stick for the fans, but it was measuring stick for people in the business in other territories that hadn't had a chance to see some of these high rank sure. wrestlers. I mean, people got bookings based upon sure. the, the rankings. Now, keep in mind that when I was put in charge of the rankings, I didn't see tons of these people. Uh, the only shows I was able to see was the WWF or WWF uh, back then. Um, Carlos Colon had a, uh, a show on uh, the Spanish language station in New York, as did Mike LaBelle out in Los Angeles. But as for the rest of the shows, I had to start schmoozing. And uh, again, I showed this last week if you're watching us. And if you're not, if you're just listening, I have a Rolodex here with hundreds and hundreds of offices that I would call every Monday morning. And for example, if you can watch, if you're watching this, and if not, here's like the a card for a, a Vern Gagne's office. I used to call there every single, every single Monday morning, he would be one of the offices that I call. And um, uh, I would do that with 10 or 12 offices as I go out of focus here again. This is the Microsoft camera. It will come back eventually. Bird said, Resnick, answer the phone and tell them I'm not here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes those, uh, sometimes those things uh, uh, did happen. I might have to uh, unplug my camera and come right back, but I'm, I'm going to, no, I can't do that because my audio is on here too. Well, so, hold um, on. I want to take a break anyway. Uh, I want to let everybody know that uh, VOC Nation has tons of great content that you can get uh, from stars all over the wrestling community as Bill uh, takes us uh, into his room there. And speaking of in the room, you have in the room with Brady Hicks and former WCW star, the maestro. You have wrestling with history with Killer Ken and Bill Apter uh, with uh, me as a sidekick, essentially. You have uh, Shelly Live with Shelly Martinez, uh, WCW Retro with the Maestro on Thursdays. Wes Briscoe, Briscoe and Big Ace, and Sassy Steffi. We're also working on some more talent. So BOC Nation is the place to go to take you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side, and we will talk about the PWI rankings. First-hand knowledge, first-hand experiences from Bill Apter, reaction to the uh, rankings maybe from Ken Resnick as he uh, heard it on the other side from the town. This is wrestling with worldwide. We're worldwide. Wow. This is worldwide. I love it. Maybe I'll do it with some more energy later on in the show. This is the VOC uh, nation radio network wrestling with history back on the other side. This is Matt Hardy and you are listening to the VOC nation. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, 
former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star, Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality, Bruce Wirt. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow him on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. All right, back here, Wrestling With History Worldwide in the VOC Nation Radio Network. The voice of choice, uh, Bruce Wirt, Killer Ken Resnick, and wonderful Willie, the legend maker, Bill Apter. Speaking of legend making, uh, we're talking about the PWI ranking system today. Not the 500, but the actual rankings. And I'm just going to go back to my childhood because I, I would go and try to find every wrestling magazine there was. WWF magazine. It was an F back then. Uh, the Wrestler, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Wrestling Eye, and and Bill was part of all of those magazines. Well, no, and, no, but we were doing a Wrestling Eye. It wasn't, it was Wrestler, Inside Wrestling, Sports Review Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Ben Strong Wrestling, Wrestling Yearbook, Wrestling uh, uh, Digest. We had so many, and then eventually Wow Magazine. But I uh, wasn't you. Wrestling Eye wasn't. No, no that oh. was not a London Publishing. I worked for London Publishing. I was on the staff there. Okay. Well, the first thing I would do is look at the rankings. And uh, before we get into that system, Bill, and I have another question for you about the staff at at those magazines. Ken, from from your viewpoint, right, and this is 1985 still where, where we're talking, you're in the AWA, are the wrestlers and the backstage people in the AWA talking about the PWI ranking system? Uh, the, the wrestlers did invariably, we would do our interview day in the AWA on Tuesdays <clears throat> and in, you know, a big room and guys are sitting around while other people, you know, are being interviewed. <clears throat> and even during the breaks, invariably, somebody would have the latest magazine with them and they'd start talking about the ratings. Sometimes they would say, ah, this is BS. That guy is not that good. Or other times the conversation would be, geez, that guy must be better than I thought. Have you ever seen him work? Have you ever worked with him? Look how high they've got him. So again, as I mentioned, you know, before the break, there was no internet. There was no cable that the rankings were, was the horizon line that a lot of talent judged how good or maybe not good other talent was and sometimes they'd say geez with all the hype look how low so-and-so is is rated so you know they very much paid attention so so now with that being said bill take us back to as long as you know so go as far back as you know about how the ranking system came up and came to be and then how you walked into it uh back when you joined the organization back in the well, 70s when i joined london publishing uh, Mr. Weston was doing the rankings and he was not uh, in touch with the business as much as uh, uh, he had favorites uh, um, of people that were in the magazine. Of course, he was the publisher and uh, did what he wanted to at that point. When I came on uh, and I started being sent to the various territories and started handshaking and uh, making friends with people, uh, the the guys, a lot of the wrestlers would come over to me and they'd say, uh, um, who 
who do, who does I remember I was in uh, Detroit one time and I think it was uh, uh, I'm trying to remember which wrestler it might have been Ben Justice or the or the Stomper not the Mongolian Stomper I'm talking about Guy Mitchell remember? and brother of Sid Justice right no no relation at all no relation at all it, 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 I'll have to look that up see I'm going to investigate that now all right nobody ever brought that up but one of them would say uh, uh, you, you have uh, Al Costello and Don Kent and the tag team ratings, the Kangaroos. They were not the original Kangaroos. Roy Heffernan and, Don, and uh, Al Costello were. And they're at like number two. We are like number eight or nine. Why is that? And I'm looking and I'm going, uh, those were still Mr. Weston based rankings. And I made sense of them and I said, well, the kangaroos have the local tag team championship. That's probably why he did it, why Mr. Weston did that. And that would follow me through every territory. I would go into Jim Crockett promotions. Invariably, there'd be uh, a, a wrestler upset that um, he would be fourth or fifth when the guy he's wrestling regularly and beating might be number two. Um, but at that period of time, the magazines, there was a three month lag period of time. At that point, that other guy might have been winning. I remember a time in Madison Square Garden, Ivan Putsky, who I loved dearly, one of my favorite people in the whole, uh, in the whole world, walked in the dressing room and they, like Ken had said, a lot of the guys had the magazines. And Ivan looks up at me, he's got the mag, I brought the magazines into the dressing room and he looks at me and says, hey Bill, I thought we were friends. I said, we are. He said, well, you know, you got Chief J. Strongbow here in the WWF, or WWF as number four, and I'm number five. I'm better than Chief J. Strongbow. What's a, aren't you, you friend, you better friends with him? And I said, well, that's not how, that's not how we're doing this whole thing. And he was, his feelings were very hurt. And we mended it over a period over a period of time when guys said, oh, don't worry about the rankings, et cetera. A, a classic story was Rick and Scott Steiner, who, who were terrific. But, and I think Ken knows that Scott can be very intimidating, very <laughs> intimidating. I would go into a building during the prime days of WCW and Crockett promotions. And man, what the F? They practice. One of them would hold me. Ricky Bricksteiner would hold me and tell Scott, "Why don't you, why don't you pop him?" And I'm like, I'm terrified there. And what, what's this all about? The freaking rankings. You have the freaking road warriors above us. Yeah, and this now, went on regularly through almost every single territory. Also, the uh, the the top ten wrestlers. Right. We rated them the top ten. We rated them actually by what we believed were the right organizations to go in order. And that back in the days, and especially when we were banned by WWF, was NWA, AWA, WWF. That's how we rated the champions back then. Sometimes, On purpose, I guess, because Vince well, shut you out. We, sometimes we switched AWA and WWF. Uh, Vern, uh, who Ken had multi, multi-year relationship working for him and personal time with him. Fern was very unusual because Fern played the uh, I don't know what's going on game 
with me a lot. He didn't look at the rankings really. What he would do is he would have one of his guys like Wally Carbo or his son, Greg Anya, call me and just say, my dad was just curious, you know, why is uh, Sergeant Slaughter uh, at this ranking and uh, another guy, Jerry Blackwell is at this ranking, but in your New York ratings, because they probably take care of you, right? The New York ratings, uh, you got guys rated better than our guys. And I always had to tell them, nobody paid us. People thought I was in Jim Crockett's pocket because I was on his TV. Then Vern put me on his TV and people thought I was in Vern's pocket. The ratings were done on the top 10 guys in that uh, federation, the champion and the challengers after would be like, number one would be the US champ. Number two might be the TV champion. So I did them. That's how I did them. I did them technically like the programs were on TV. What, was it all good, Ken? Let me ask, and what I tried to do some, you know, when I was interviewing guys, sometimes try and think of what fans might want to ask and, and try and ask those questions. So let me kind of play the mind of a fan. You kind of touched on it, but let's drill down a bit. How much were the rankings based on the talent of the wrestlers? but how much did what promotion they were in factor into the final product? I, I got a good well, follow-up no, too. No, that did not. That. That it, it, well, no, no, it, they didn't. Because when we did the top 10 rankings, you'll see guys from Portland. You'll see guys from Calgary. You'll see guys from Puerto Rico, places that we barely ever covered in the magazine and stories. Because we tried to get... In the magazine, we tried to make every territory mean something, no matter how far, no matter if there were 20 fans in a territory or a million fans. No, but I'm kind of talking like you alluded to a little earlier when you said you kind of had the NWA one, then the AWA, then the WWF. Mm -hmm. So it, right. even though somebody may have been a great, just an unbelievable tag team, say the WWF champions, they couldn't be rated above the AWA champions, not so much of the talent of the AWA champion, but because you were ranking as a whole, the AWA a little above the WWF. Did that ever factor no, no, in? No, no, I, no, no. Keep in mind like the tag team ratings, we, uh, we put the champions uh, before we put any of the, uh, Challenges. For example, one month we might have the AWA taking champions as number one, number two might have been WWF, number three might have been NWA. We, we changed them up because we didn't want it to look like we were showing any kind of, uh, any kind of favoritism. Now for all. the fans watching um, on YouTube, right? Okay. And this is a YouTube exclusive and you have to search and subscribe oh. to VOC Nation Radio Network on YouTube. I'm showing a screen and this is compliments of profightdb.com it's the internet wrestling database i have the top 10 rankings for the period ending july 7th 1985 and by the way i'm sorry for interrupting bill i get like five uh, feedback messages a week from fans saying more bill and ken less bruce i get it i hear you um somebody's got a piece of show we love bruce. but bill said that because of the WWF's attitude towards the magazines that they would put in order when they listed the rankings, NWA first on the page, 
uh, AWA and then WWF, and sometimes they switch. I just sometimes. found it ironic sometimes. that these rankings, it's Ric Flair, Rick Martell, and Hulk Hogan in that order for radio people that are podcast okay. people. Well, keep in mind, the key word here is sometimes. Sometimes. Once in a while, when Hulk Hogan, when Hulk Hogan became the... Remember, we're talking about 1985. It's, now it's 2021, so I'm going from whatever memory I have left of this thing here. But uh, back in those got days, more memory than hair, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, comb over forever. But um, if you really look at the months after that, you will see that as Hogan started gaining uh, momentum, we knew that this guy was going to sell more magazines probably than possibly the other two guys. So hope we switched Hogan periodically into those spots. But yeah, 1985 was one of those years, WrestleMania, we were thrown out and we were, we took world title status away from the WWF at that point. And the only world titles we recognize was the NWA and AWA. And one week, we've got to talk about a time when Paul Heyman came up to the offices of PWI. I've got a problem, Mr. Apter. And, and demanded ECW be recognized as a world title. That's, a, that's another week, another story. Okay. That's a terrible imitation of Paul Heyman, really. <laughs> So, so again, Bill, from a, a fan standpoint, and even you know from my own, it it wasn't the rankings weren't based strictly on talent. There were other factors, like you said, Hulk, you're going to move up because he'll sell more magazines as well. So, in other yeah, words, it wasn't yeah. all talent. There was other factors that often you know played into it to a degree. They, that is true. However, however, and this is the asterisk, sometimes if I made Ric Flair first, Rick Martell second, and Hulk Hogan third, the main editor at that time, Peter King or whoever it was at that point, Stu Sachs, or Peter, they might have overridden me and said, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. So, you know, they may have closed, they may have changed that. But yeah, the factors were also, you know, the offices that cooperated with us were very happy to not only give us information, not in advance, they were not giving us title changes. And I want to make that very clear. They might have said, you know, why don't you come in because it's a good show to cover. But they were saying, you know, why don't you, you want to promote your magazine, you're promoting us, you want to promote your magazine, why don't you fly out here? And we never let them pay for any of the flights or anything. Why don't you fly out here and you can plug your magazine on our TVs, which we did for Jim Crockett. Uh, we did it for AWA. We did it for Paul Bosch. And any territory that uh, asked us to come down or for me to come down, we did it. So it was kind of a rub, rub everybody's, uh, scratch everybody's back type of situation and we were not getting that at all from WWF uh, but it would have been it would have been uh, suicide to not include them at least in the magazines you couldn't do that because well, of the TV saturation at that point were, were, was there any and well actually first before I ask that question and and remember if I forget it's about fear of lawsuits but Peter King 
Is this the yeah. same Peter King that went on to Sports Illustrated no. fame? No. Different Peter no. King. Okay. No. no, different Peter I King. Wondered that. And Peter King was was a uh, a real person. A lot of people always ask me who was real and who was not. Peter was actually he was the editor back then. Uh, I couldn't think of his name. When Peter left the company because he had some issues with Mr. He and Mr. Weston didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And he walked away and he never came back into the wrestling business, hmm. into the publishing, wrestling publishing business. He was not in the wrestling business. He was in the wrestling publishing business. The difference between everybody in the publishing company and me and maybe Stu Sachs were that we were wrestling people first and publishing people afterwards. All the other people like Peter King, Michael Cape, so many other people came from Newsday and other uh, newspapers and magazines. They had editing backgrounds. They were not wrestling people. So question about, you mentioned WWF had their own magazine, didn't want you covering their events, wouldn't let you shoot. Um, but you also mentioned every once in a while, Hulk Hogan might invite you to his hotel room, give you a few pictures and you get to put them on the magazine. Mm -hmm. um, was there any fear of lawsuits by any promotion for either articles that you ran with your own storylines or WWF saying, you can't have our people in your magazine, brother? No, no, WWF uh, kept us out, uh, but there was never any threat of any uh, lawsuits, we were we were not selling posters in the magazines or anything like that. You that they could have sued us for stuff like that. We were covering it as a news event, so they really were not able to uh, to pursue uh, anything. The only legal issues that ever came up with any magazine that I ever worked for uh, and uh, WWF was uh, back in the days of. Uh, wow magazine and i signed an agreement that i would never discuss that anywhere so i can't do that uh but that was the first magazine i worked for where wwf uh did want to uh, uh did want to do something about the coverage that they were doing in wow magazine call that a non-disclosure agreement yeah silence yeah. but getting back to uh getting heat from wrestlers on uh on the rankings, once I know this isn't part of the category, but once we started the PWI 500, the ranking system that became a, a little pimple of a nightmare, the 500 became, I was afraid to go out to some of the, the federations because these guys were, went crazy if they weren't in the, like the top three. <laughs> it was terrible, but, but the rankings did provide a lot of controversy because it drew that the publisher wanted to sell magazines. That was the goal, sell magazines. And the WWF, the, the rankings of all the territories and everything drew a lot of fans to buy the magazines just because of that. Like you said, you went right to the rankings page, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that and might've been the only thing that I read in the magazine. I mean, okay. right. I, I would ask my mother, beg my mother or father to, buy the magazine and i just wanted those two pages and the uh the house show the house show results were yeah, also the results. now i'm going to tell you a nightmare that ken would probably be able to speak about but uh i don't think he ever 
verbalized anything like this. It's not what? about lions, though, right? Wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you, you were in my nightmare last night? I don't remember that. about that. What are you going to do, brother? No, it was one time, one time, we ran a top 10 list of wrestling broadcasters. I thought that the wrestlers had problems with the magazines because of that. We made Gordon Soley number one, and I don't rem I can't tell you who else. I have a very was. deep voice and I drink a lot. I can't do it. Well, indeed, we but have I a Frobuscus broken and we will be right back. Uh, never got excited though, Gordon. <laughs> nope, never, nope. always at a very even pace. Yes, because he was a, he was a news guy. He was a news guy. Well, you, you but, might not be able to remember who was number two, but I save that because when I, same as Bruce, when I would get a magazine, I'd always turn to the rankings page, and I think you only ran that like once or twice on the yeah, announcement. Because I got calls, I got calls from I remember Freddie Miller who wasn't even a play-by-play -play guy. He, and I loved Freddie. He was, you know, hey, be there. And he'd promote all the shows on Georgia Championship Wrestling. I remember he called me. Um, oh, my goodness. Who else? Fast of France. Who? <laughs> no, Jim Ross never complained about anything. Well, never I remember who was number nine, and that was me. And I was, like, shocked. Was it I really? Was top ten. And, and I still, you know, you always do a once in a while a show and tell. I've got to put away. I still, I, I have that page. You know, wow. I, I mean, there were some guys that, you know, were very upset that they weren't in the top 10. You know, when I saw it was going down, when I saw my name at number nine, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I, I mean, so I was like thrilled. Wait but, a minute, Ken, was that before or after you did the bird with Coco Beware? Uh, <laughs> it was AWA. So it was before. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was in AWA. I said, there were only two guys I danced with, Coco Beware and Hillbilly Jim. By the way, follow VOC Nation on Twitter. Priceless video that uh, came from full, full credit to the WWE Network, now part of Peacock. And uh, they just put up Wrestling Challenge, which I've been waiting for that and older versions of superstars uh, for, for years. And they put up this, uh, Ken's obviously part of all of the stuff from 86 and 87. Ken's doing the backstage, uh, you know, local stuff with, with the wrestlers and Coco's on there. He's got his old school boom box. He's playing a tune and then he starts uh, dancing and he, he forces Ken to dance. And uh, I'm sorry to take us off track here, but uh, go follow VOC nation, find the video. Ken, was that rehearsed or did you guys plan to do that? Or did he just, get you get in it. we we you know and i've said this many times other than an agents in the room saying you know what and it didn't happen very often let, let's redo that interview we never rehearsed anything you know sometimes <laughs> you know like with the bigger stars like hulk or macho man or roddy piper before we'd start i sometimes say you got anything special and big and i you just start i'll follow so no that was not that was rehearsed <laughs> And, and if you look at that, you know, I, I was more than a bit hesitant because I think in the infamous Wrestle Rock Rumble video from the AWA, I proved without a doubt I have no rhythm. So I was, <laughs> had, had he mentioned that going in, I would have said, no, let's skip that part. Coco, beware. Was, Wait, was that a rip? Dancing action, Bruce. 
Come on, Link. Yeah, Come on, if Ken. You're, if you're watching on YouTube, yeah, maybe Ken, can you recreate the moment? If you, for fans watching on YouTube, I got the classic LJN figure of Coco Beware. This is on the rare side, by the way. Don't break into my house. Maybe Ken can give a little movement too, and we can recreate the. Yeah, moment. You know, without Coco, it just wouldn't be the same. Since he, since you've got, you know, his likeness with you, be my guest, Bruce. <laughs> I got it. Got I it. can put them well, together. I want to get back. There's two other categories regarding Sorry. the rankings that Sorry. I don't want to forget. Right, people don't want me to talk, Bill. No, they do. You're talking fine. But we're talking about the rankings, and there's two categories here that we didn't even think of talking about. Yeah. Okay. One of them, we, once we did a top 10 of the midgets. <laughs> we did. Is that an acceptable term? I don't want to get in trouble. Well, no, no, well it was back then. Okay, so I'm, we're back in 1985. And the, the Mighty Midgets were great because it, they were like, um, uh, they, they, they were so much fun to watch and the kids used to love watching them. And they were, they were so entertaining and they always got involved with the referee and stuff. But I will never forget that Sky Low Low, who was the midget champion and his wife was like seven foot 9,000. <laughs> Do you remember that, Ken? Did you ever meet his wife? She was, and Sky talked like this. She, she was the uh, an early rendition of China. <laughs> yes, yes, wow. yes. But much taller, much yes. taller. Like a Nicole Bass. Uh... Yeah, exactly. She she, she, she kind of looked like, if you remember the Little Rascals episode where Stymie and Spanky and Alfalfa stood on top of each other on their shoulders and put on a coat and tried to be a tall person. That's what Sky's wife looked like she's I mean, very sweet she, she you know they, they were nice but i remember that when and he introduced me you know it's like and, and this is my wife you know you you're trying to be politically correct <laughs> but in the back of your mind you're going what how did really <laughs> right and, and how did they have a kid how did they do that <laughs> um anyway if you're watching this on youtube there is no graphic on that um but so Sky, I remember one time we did the top mm -hmm. 10 midgets. And I remember Sky Lolo looking in at the magazine and he, somebody points, he's in the dressing room area and somebody points to me. And he, he says, are you the guy that did this? He, he was French, Sky, yeah. And he's standing there looking at me like really upset. And he came up to my navel I mean, that's how big. So I was getting very nervous that whatever he was upset about, that the groin part of, of my body was going to be injured, uh -huh. you know, very easily. Um, so he said, did you write these, these numbers here that I'm number uh, two and the beaver is number three? And I said, well, we did that as a, as a panel in the magazine. So he says, I just want to say thank you very much for putting the midgets in there. Oh, very delightful. Nice. It was wonderful. It was so, go ahead. Good. No, I was going to ask you how, so, so tell me, was this just you at, at a certain point in time that came up with the rankings or was there a dark room where you would smoke cigarettes and drink? Uh, no, I never smoked cigarettes and drank. I, but, uh, Diet was Coke. There, was there a panel? Was there any fan influence? Uh, uh, people want to know, how did this happen? How did the well, rankings? Letter, we got out? we got letters, but I want to get back to the midgets. So it, there was no dark room. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead. No, no, there was no dark room. I want room. to go back to the announcer ranking. Well, hold on, we'll get back. Oh, to I that. changed my Chiron there. There was there was no dark room. We were in like a newspaper office with typewriters, 
there's an office of people, no dark room there. Um, so, and, and periodically, you know, some of the other editors might have agreed or not agreed, but I was typing this out, it was on paper. And then it would be sent to the typesetting department. Some of the other editors didn't really care what their rankings were. They were busy writing the stories. Now, the, uh, on the other end here, the women, the top 10 women, every week, I would call the fabulous Moolah. And she always answered the phone when she knew it was me. She always answered the phone with two words, hi, darling. <laughs> always the same. Call. And she would go, well, number one, I've got this girl, Donna Cristinello. Honey, she's wonderful. And then, honey, number two, you will love Vicki Williams. She's gorgeous, blonde. And she, she'd go down and describe every one of the every one of the girls. And I had such a, a, such a wonderful relationship with her. I looked forward to making that call every Monday just to hear, hi, darling. Now the dub went before we got out of favor with the WWF before they um, did their own magazine. Once in a while, I would call on Mondays and this was this very small office, two people, Vince McMahon and maybe Howard Finkel at that point, Howard was his first real employee. And some of the time, Vince would answer the phone, oh, can I help you? That's all he'd say, wouldn't W And I'd say, uh, hi Vince, it's uh, Bill, I just want to check on the top 10 rankings. Uh, hold on, let me put Howard on. But before that, before that, we go way back in time now, I called Vince McMahon Sr. once or twice a month and he would tell me once in a while, he'd say it would be a good idea to put um, Ivan Putsky number three because Superstar Graham is our champion and you know Putsky's gonna get a title shot probably two or three months from now. He knew that the magazines were three months behind from editorial to newsstand. Um, he rarely complained. There were a couple of stories where he complained about them. And if I couldn't get him, I would call Willie Gilsenberg. Willie was uh, one of his partners. Willie could not hear well on the phone, but he loved me. He used to tell me I'm like a grandchild to him. Uh, he I was a the same promoter. way. He was a boxing promoter in New Jersey and became very well known in the wrestling field for, for, for promoting wrestling shows in New Jersey. And once in a while, I'd call him and I'd say, uh, Willie, Vince isn't available. Can I run the rankings past you? You're sure, go ahead. And I go down my whole top 10, he'd say, okay, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> no, were they okay? I don't care. Call Vince. <laughs> How often did they override you? Vince Sr. never really overrode me. He just said it might be better to put this guy down two notches because we're not bringing him up for another few months and, you know, in, into, uh, uh, in, into a, a championship match against somebody. And I, you know, I called pretty regularly during the days of uh, uh, Bruno's reigns uh, and during Superstar Billy Graham reigns. I spoke to Vince Sr. quite a bit about the rankings because he would give me advance notice, not on title changes, but who might be coming in from other territories a few months down the line. Right, interesting. And that made the rankings very intelligent because now somebody like you two would pick up the magazines three months after they were put together and Superstar Graham's top challenger is the guy that you're seeing number one because we knew to move him up. 
Well, the, the, the takeaway here, Bruce, I, I am just shocked beyond belief that Bill enjoyed his Monday calls with Moolah more than he did with Vern. Unbelievable. Vern was great. Vern was great. Vern would say, hi, darling. No, he wouldn't do that. Vern would, Vern would always be, I'd say, Vern, it's Bill after. And he says, hey, how you doing, Bill? How's Stan Weston? I'd say, fine. He says, what are you calling about? And I'd say, uh, I need the top 10 rankings. He said, well, hold on. Wally or Greg can help you with that. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Vern, Vern was kind of like, a lot of the big time coaches or superstars today, when they're asked about something on social media, they're like, oh, I never read that. <laughs> Except they always read that. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, so hold on, hold, Bruce, hold on, hold your thought for one sec. Vern was not a big fan of the magazines. He cooperated with us. Uh, he liked that his guys were in the magazines, but uh, he believed that when people read the results, of uh, Nick Bockwinkle beating Billy Robinson in a certain town. That shouldn't be in the magazine because they were going to do that same match three months later, probably when that came out and say it was the first time it's ever happened in a local yeah. thing. And then in the magazine. So, well, you and, and, and also I think what factored in the reality that yeah, the magazines were nice, but they were, they were no profit or revenue center you know, right. say, so it was like, hey, it's nice, but don't really bother me. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. They were not making any money, which yeah. was Vince's plan. Vince McMahon's plan wound up with their own magazine because they weren't making any money from the newsstand magazines that were making a lot of money on their product. Speaking and of money, I, I got to sneak in. Starting the magazine was one of the reasons that, you know, they brought Steve Taylor on full time and mm -hmm. actually created a photography department. Yeah. I got to sneak in another break, and uh, but that's a perfect segue, Ken. It's like you read my mind. What year, Bill, did the WWF stop you from being able to cover them? Well, they first started for three shows back in the days of Pedro Morales when Vince thought about starting his own magazine. The guys rioted. Pedro was like, well, you know, we can't do the magazine. They were very upset. Then it started, uh, actually, as he started to, uh, uh, the Hogan days. We were, we were in toward the end of the Backlund days. Got it. Yeah. So 83. Mr. 83. Backlund, sir. <laughs> oh. uh, we're going to come back. We're going to go through the top 10. And uh, we're running out of time, so we'll do it with some pace. But uh, I'm very interested to see uh, some stories that, that you guys have uh, on some of these. Because uh, this is, I mean, I'm looking back at this top 10 from 1985, and it's the who's who of wrestling. I won't share my screen again, because I'm sure you're going to want to see uh, Bill and Ken much more than you want to see a bunch of text on the screen. Uh, want to remind everybody, please subscribe to VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or the big dogs, radio.com and iHeartRadio. Um, very important to us. That's how we continue to keep things going here uh, at VOC Nation. We pay the talent. Um, and, and listen, I'm going to go uh, pure. Uh, uh, I got paid this week. Yeah. Thank you. Wait a minute. You got paid again because you, you, got, you got paid a dollar last week. You got paid two weeks in a row. Kayfabe. Full, yeah, full disclosure, uh, the talent here at VOC Nation is uh, it's, it's a revenue share system. So 
um, they make more money when you support the show and you don't have to pay anything. Just listen, listen. And the advertisers pay and Ken and Bill and all of the team is very happy. So please do that. Subscribe on YouTube because that helps us grow as well. VOC nation radio network. If you follow VOC nation on Twitter, you just get the links. You don't even have to do any work. We do it all for you. Bruce, how do people find us on YouTube? If they're not familiar that we're on there every week and over 3,500 people are watching us every week. But for the people who don't know, please tell them. VOC Nation Radio Network. Or listen, it's very easy. Follow on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation and the links are there. I mean, if you go through the Twitter timeline, you'll see the links to the shows. And once you get to the YouTube channel, just hit subscribe and you can get it. We're up to 562 subscribers. That is more than double, almost triple from when we started doing this video show. And that was a dormant channel for 10 years. So wow. um, good stuff. Our investors are telling me that is great metrics. So uh, keep doing it, please. Uh, it helps us to stay here and grow. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. This is Wrestling With History Worldwide in the VOC Nation Radio Network. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. VOC Nation Radio Network, wrestling with history, uh, voice of choice, Bruce Ford, Killer Ken Resnick, and Bill After, wonderful Willie, the legend maker. I changed all the chirons for us, guys, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Ken, there's a big sale at Pro Wrestling Tees, and you are the hottest selling shirt on VOC Nation. Uh, that's right. Starting tomorrow, uh, everything on Pro Wrestling Tees, not only the VOC Nation t-shirts, but of course you wouldn't want anything else. Uh, everything is 20% off. And when you check out the promo code is in all caps. Thank you. It's their customer appreciation sale, but it will get you 20% off of the killer. Ken made it real t-shirt, the Voc nation t-shirt, uh, the Brady Hicks t-shirt and more 20% off promo code, all caps. Thank you. Bill's so shirt too, right? If there's 20% off, which part of the shirt don't you get? Sleeves. Oh, okay. Just Go to VOCNationShirts.com, and that will take you right to the VOC Nation store. You don't have to worry about searching for a thing. Guys, last uh, – oh, Bruce, real quick. Um, man, I know so many wrestling fans. Uh, keep Butch Reed in mm. your thoughts. 
uh, he had, I guess, a massive double heart attack and oh. is not doing well. When was this? I didn't uh, know today, about it. Today. Oh, I what a saw great it on uh, Facebook. Okay. A couple different uh, people and sites talked about it. So evidently Butch is not doing well. So oh. someday we'll have to talk uh, in longer form about him because he was apparently, and it depends on who you listen to, but he was apparently scoped out by Vince as, you know, the next big star or the next big run against Hogan. He was going to get an intercontinental title run. He no show to show. And, and uh, you know, he was forever known after that as the second member of doom. Uh, but thoughts and prayers to, to Butch Reed. Um, fascinating. You know, he, do you know he was a rodeo person? Very well. charismatic guy. I did not know that. Yeah. He was a, uh, I think the, he was in the, uh, uh, they had a, a African-American rodeo. Um, and oh yeah, he loved doing rodeo. Yeah, he and I used to talk about that a lot. Get well, Butch Reed. I just interviewed him, oh, less than a year ago at uh, Bud, uh, Bud Car one of Bud Carson's uh, conventions. Why don't we do a show dissecting Doom? Yeah. The, the team of Doom. You talk about tag team, great tag team. Yeah, yeah, and Nancy Benoit as their, uh, as their, as their uh, manager. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. So we can, uh, there's so many topics that we can dive into. We in will do them. Week. This is wrestling with history. This is what we're here for. You want to talk about the rankings, though. Yeah, the right? rankings. Let's get into the yeah. rankings, and then, uh, and then we'll close it out. So I'm just going to read this top 10, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about some of these people and uh, maybe some experiences you've had with, uh, with them, either one of you. So reading the top 10, you got Flair, Martel, Hogan in the top three, and Bill, that's because they were champions. Those were the three champions. And uh, order of prominence uh, in terms of who gave you the most love, right? Well, no, no. At that point, I think we were the NWA was looked at as the premier organization, AWA second. And because uh, we were locked out of WWF, they were third. And I have a question for you about Rick Martel that I can't forget to ask, but I'm going to keep reading. Uh, Magnum TA, Dusty Rhodes, Kerry Von Erich as the next three. And I guess uh, Magnum was the U.S. champion? I don't remember back then, but probably, and that he was getting a hell of a push. That's another one hour show, by the way, Magnum TA. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Chris Adams, Greg Valentine, Nikita Koloff, and Sergeant Slaughter in at number 10. These are the top 10 crossing promotions. Now let's go back. And I actually want to start with Rick Martell because, uh, you know, with Ken being part of the show, Ken was in the AWA when Rick Martell was the world champion. Ken was in the WWF when Rick Martell was uh, uh, girls in cars and very, very different, <laughs> very, very different uh, gimmicks, I guess, so to speak, and different spots on the card. So how did Rick Martell feel about going from a serious champion in the AWA to um fake videos with women trying to bust the door down. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't think, you know, he was, he was less than thrilled about it, but I just want to take exception, not really going from gimmick to gimmick because when he was AWA champion, he really didn't have a gimmick. He didn't have a manager. He came out to the ring. He wore the championship belt and he had a towel around his neck. Uh, you know, I mean, I think later he got a ring jacket, but that was 
really, you know, Rick Martel, you know, doing interviews with him in the AWA was effortless because he was just being himself. You know, it, it was easy. He was, you know, a great champion. Uh, I know this sounds a little hard to believe, but I think Bill would agree. Even though Rick was a champion, his in-ring skills were still a little underrated. Absolutely. He was, a, he was what they used to call a great scientific wrestler. And, uh, but the dream of everybody back then, even though they were being taken care of by Vern Gagne, was to get up to New York. Sure. Were, were, was that a, so knowing and, and everything you just said, Ken and, and Bill, was it a complete shock when he became the model? And, and he didn't just become the model. He didn't want slick. I mean, this is uh, Bruce Pritchard has said this on his podcast. They tried to give him slick to talk for him. He didn't want it. He wanted to do it everything himself. Um, yeah. Did it shock you to see him develop that personality and, and become pretty good on the mic? Um, no, I mean, you know, he was good on the mic in the AWA, you know, could really get into the seriousness of a match. He was great to interview, but it, it didn't shock me because if you would just look at headshots, Rick Martell was a very handsome man. Yep. He had a great physique. I mean, a, a lot of, you know, females found that kind of French Canadian accent, you know, very appealing. So where I don't think Rick was thrilled with it, that the, the gimmick kind of matched the man because yeah. I mean, he did have kind of, you know, model looks, but he, he grew into it. And I, I guess really, I don't want to say so much. He grew into it as he just, you know, got used to it, I think would probably be a, a better way to-, yeah, to He morphed uh, into that character for a guy that was a, a, a scientific, technical wrestler to be picked by, handpicked by Vince McMahon to become the model. Uh, he ran with it and the scientific wrestling now took second yeah. tier to the character because WWF was not about wrestling. It was about characterizations and- um, And, you know, let's be honest, um, if you didn't em embrace it, you know, the one thing Rick and everyone else knew when they were, you know, given a character, the only reason they gave you a character is because to some degree they were gonna give you a push. Absolutely, uh, and more and, money. You know, in, you know, as I used to say back in the WWF, there were only two rules. Rule number one, Vince is always right. Rule number two, if you think Vince is wrong, see rule number one again. Right. Uh, so it was one of those that, you know, as Bill rightly put, by that point, you know, 86, 87, everybody was aspiring to get to the WWF. It was the, the dominant franchise. <laughs> But the talent was also smart enough if they didn't like something, if, you know, when Vince offered you something, it wasn't really an offer. It was kind of it's my way or the highway. So, you know, you, you didn't really have much of a choice. They give you a character to give you a push unless you're the Red Rooster. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's a story upon a story. But well, anyway. Someday we'll talk about the fact that he thinks he was uh, – first in line for Mr. Perfect. And uh, I've heard I've, Terry Taylor. Yeah. 
Oh, I, we can definitely talk about him. I still talk to him. And actually, when the WWE five or six years ago flew me down to host the pilot show of what became the uh, JBL Legends show, yeah, Terry was one of my one of the three people that I did on the pilot show. So great, great scientific wrestler. But same thing as Rick Martel. He was given a gimmick, paid a lot of money for it, and went with it. All right. So we'll talk. I want to come back to Terry Taylor on a future show. And we'll do more spotlight shows. Uh, I think Bill and Ken and I talked about that off air. Uh, We're going to do some more spotlight shows. So stay tuned. Uh, Next week, we go into 1986. But I think we got some good stuff planned for you thereafter. I I know we're running out of time, guys. Two two more people I want to hit. Back uh, when uh, I was doing uh, the Philadelphia radio thing and I would travel to conventions a lot more, uh, certainly more than today with the pandemic, but one of the crankiest people that I've ever met is number eight on your list, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. I don't know if he's ever cracked a smile. Uh, Was there more to him than I saw or was he pretty much? Yeah, yeah, Greg being the son of uh, Johnny Valentine. But I don't know if you know this, in the past few years, Greg has been doing some stand-up comedy before the <laughs> pandemic. So, That's funny always, in itself. I, I always talk to Might Greg. Might be funnier than the stand-up comedy. Yeah. Right, but I always talk to Greg, and I, I, I always joke, and he gets a kick out of this. I always say, here's Greg Valentine as a stand-up comic. Well, these three guys were walking down the street, and Abdullah the Butcher stopped them, and cut their foreheads open and made them bleed to death. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Greg is all right. I'm glad you appreciated that. But Greg does have a great sense of humor. If you're with him after the matches and hanging out at the bar and stuff, he, he's got a very good sense of humor. He really, really does. He just at, at the conventions, he's like Randy Orton. When you meet him in person, Randy is always that uh, hard-ass type of guy. That's what Greg was like he kept that character going but he really has a very good laugh about him and he's a really great guy greg uh we we were at one of the shows i was with uh, remember my old uh, co-host namar wells uh, king magnus we were back and and greg said he would do a short little interview with us video interview so he's, he's like all right come on and we go outside the building and uh uh, we we start to shoot, and he's like, "Never mind, I got to pee," and he left. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Peace a lot. Peace a lot. And then finally, uh, and and we can dive deeper uh, on another show, guys. Uh, I, I know we're we're running over time. Kerry uh, Von Erich, the Texas Tornado in the WWE. Uh, Ken, I don't know if you had a lot of experience with him, but Not Bill, I I just I see somebody never met him when I. I I was when I was young, I would watch world class on ESPN after I came home from school. It was on four o'clock in the afternoon. And that was somebody that I thought, wow, this guy is going to get to the WWF someday and he's going to be a champion. And uh, just never really happened. His something with his foot did it, did his he got into an accident? His foot, we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to talk about, I hate to do this. But another special on the Von Erich family, I was extremely close to all of the Von Erich family, to everyone in that family. Uh, Kerry was uh, like an adopted nephew to me. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, he, uh, he had been to my home when I lived on Long Island. And uh, he was just 
terrific, but they, they were, there were a lot, there were a few reasons that he never really uh, got there. Um, but we, we should talk about the whole Von Erich uh, family because there's so much to talk about with them. Your direct question about the, uh, uh, the injury, he never let anybody know, including me, as close as I was to him, what the story was uh, with that. But uh, he was, as you saw him in world class, he was charismatic enough and athletic enough to become their champion at one point. And unfortunately, due to personal demons, it never got there. Yeah, uh, another spotlight episode that we can do. And, and from a, a, a fan standpoint, I know quickly, you know, we all, we talk about who's on the top 10, just as a fan and, you know, granted, I worked with him, I, uh, I loved him. As you go down the top 10, you're kind of scratching your head and going, how's Nick Bockwinkle not on that list? Well, what, where was he in terms of his career at that point? Well, he, I mean, he was one that dropped the belt uh, to, to Rick. I mean, he was still considered the, and it's one of those things when you've got a lot of federations you got to cover and there's only 10, but I've been thinking, we talk about this guy's on, this guy's on. And when, you know, Bruce went down the list, I, I kept expecting nine or 10. And I was saying to myself, well, most of them were yeah. champions. Most of the people yeah. on that list, I'm justifying. Yeah. But if you go to the AWA rate ratings, do you have those in front of you, Bruce? AWA ratings. For I that. do. I'm, I'm actually going to, I'll put it up on the screen and, and uh, we'll do Well, you that. can just read it if you want. It's very hard for me to see it on the yeah, screen. Yeah. Last time. All right. Yeah, I won't do that. Rick Martell as the champion. Right. Top 10, Larry Zabisco, King Tonga, who was Haku, right? Is that yeah. was, yeah. okay? Yeah. Nick Bockwinkle, number three, Ken. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, just so everybody knows, Butch Reed, Sergeant Slaughter, the Tonga kid who was uh, Tama, right? He was right. the other, uh, and uh, he, they both became the Islanders. Jerry Black Blackwell, the mass superstar, uh, which was Axe from Demolition, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, Kamala. And then. Well, he was uh, superstar Reed. before he was Axe. He was, right, right. I used to tell him it's not axe, it's ask. <laughs> <laughs> axe is the demolisher. Another right, story okay. for another day. Uh, and, and that, I think that's, uh, that'll wrap up the ranking show. And uh, Ken, I guess the answer to that, right, from, from Bill is uh, Nick wasn't the champion. He was number three on the AWA list. How do you put him in the top 10? Well, I, 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 kind of question um at the time it, it was kind of a career because i remember and you know we'll talk about it and we're over you know we had this huge build-up to larry zabisco this huge build-up that the living legend the legend killer the man that ended bruno san martino is coming to the awa we built it up for six weeks the first house show they put him on the second match against billy robinson and they go a 20-minute broadway and right. as Bill can attest, I don't care who it is, nobody could look good against Billy Robbins. That's correct. And, That's and correct. It, it, it's like right out of the shoot, they kind of killed his career. And it wasn't until everybody else had, had left and the AWA was really on the downward slide that they put the belt on him. Uh, you know, that was the one thing that never made any sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, that's a wrap for today. I hope you enjoyed our episode on the PWI rankings. And we can do this. We can do a lot more deep dives into the different rankings throughout time. Well, don't forget, don't forget it was PWI wrestler inside. It was, you know, all the, what they used to call the aftermags. The aftermags. <laughs>
I, to me, they PWI is the uh, the dominant brand. Was that your bestseller? Um, it depends who was on the cover. I mean, PWI came along in 1979, uh, but before that, we were uh, the wrestler and inside wrestling was selling really, really well. PWI became the Sports Illustrated of our company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great memories, and they still exist today. So, uh, uh, shout out to Kevin McIlvaney, who's yeah. the uh, the head of PWI now, Stu Sachs stepped down and Kevin's a friend of the show. Uh, Brady. Kevin's put a great stamp on PWI. Now there are new things happening with the magazine. I'm, I'm thrilled to, uh, to see what he's been doing with it and all the ads that they have on their website and the rankings you can catch on their website and a lot of stuff. Very proud of what you're doing, Kevin. And our, our own Brady Hicks is a PWI contributor yes. as well. Yes. That's going to do it for Wrestling With History. Next week, we dive into 1986, and then we'll start these spotlight shows. So we got, we got a lot of things planned for you. Please subscribe, VOC Nation Radio Network, on your favorite podcast app and YouTube. And uh, that's what keeps us going. All right, coming up next week on Wrestling With History, we're going to jump into 1986 with the idea of what was hot, what was not. We're going to overview 1986. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we'll have some fun. We'll look through the rankings again for 86. And then beyond that, we have some spotlight episodes, as we talked about, that I think you're going to be very, very happy about. So you're going to have to tune in next week to hear more about that. Sounds great. I love it. <laughs> for, for Killer Ken Resnick, wonderful Willie, the legend maker, Bill After, uh, you're going to send us out, guys, with your gimmicks. Well, I'll, I'll see you and you and you at the matches eventually you know what i'm not going to do the, the gimmick line because nothing tops the legend maker bill after no. saying i'll see you at the matches that's the way to go out I one more time rap, Bruce, huh? don't you dare miss it Right here is the future of wrestling.